Case Study Insights and Guiding Principles. The original Cognitive Activity Design class and textbook was inspired by the creative and innovative activities that Roger Anjanson designed for an assisted living facility near Salem, Oregon. While working with the ALF, Roger invented Memorobics, M-E-M capital A-E-R-O-B-I-C-S. Memorobics is a series of mental exercise techniques that stimulate the senses. So he had things like taste aerobics and scent aerobics and sound aerobics. Memorobics has been recognized as a groundbreaking cognitive exercise program that has been clinically tested during 18 months of rigorous scientific scrutiny. The benefits were described as, quote, stunning, end quote. Those who participated in only 90 days of exercises improved their cognitive abilities as well as their overall well-being when compared to the control group. The dramatic results of this clinical trial were subject to extensive peer review and the dramatic findings were published in the prestigious Journal of Medical Health and Aging, Volume 9, Number 3, pages 183 through 192. The article concluded with this prescient prediction. Memorobics and future programs designed to stimulate cognitive activity have the potential to radically change the nature of assisted living facility care. To create the cognitive activity design class and textbook, MindRamp reverse-engineered Roger's innovative and effective cognitive activities to identify their underlying principles. The memorobics and cognitive activity design principles can serve as useful guidelines for developing your own creative activities. By the way, going forward, I'll be using the term CAD to stand for Cognitive Activity Design. So in this guidebook, you will learn how to apply creative thinking techniques to the CAD principles to generate ideas for designing and implementing cognitive activities that you can deliver through virtual technologies. Let me start by mentioning a couple of the uh, core principles of memorobics. Memorobics focuses on human sensory functions, which are cognitive functions, so vision, smell, taste, hearing touch, proprioception, which is your sense of where you are in space. So with memorobics activities, we try to resist the assumption that our sensory functions become diminished with age. Assume, instead, that perceived loss of sensory acuity is attributable to not paying sufficient attention to sensory stimulation and not sufficiently exercising the sensory mechanisms. So it's the principle of use it or lose it. If you're not using and exercising your sensory equipment, then it may deteriorate over time. So the idea to counter that is to stimulate it and get people engaged in using their sensory apparatus more efficiently and more actively. So building on that point, Memorobics designs a range of activities that Well, A, focus attention on one specific sense, or two, if they tend to interact with each other, like taste and smell, and then help people understand the basic science. The important point is that our sense of hearing, for example, is a function of the brain, 
The ear collects data from differences in air pressure, but the brain turns that data into sound. The eyes collect photons of light. The brain turns that data into color, shape, and texture, into vision. So we can use food, for example, to focus attention on taste and smell. So then B, this encourages people to pay close attention to the sensory input and how they are using their mind to interpret it. They are trained, in other words, to be mindful about what they taste, smell, hear, and see. So you're encouraging people to take time to smell the roses. The CAD textbook provides descriptions of a number of effective activities designed by Roger Anjanson. Each case study is reverse-engineered to extract the guiding principles that make it work. So now I'd like to summarize some of these insights that we gleaned by reverse-engineering Roger's cognitive activities. Each of these insights can serve, as we said, as a useful guideline for developing your ideas for your own creative activities and for crafting activities that are engaging and effective. One of the first principles, and an important one, I call milking the activity. And the idea basically is you have to squeeze all of the benefit you can out of the three main phases of your activity. Well, you don't have to, but it's a good idea to squeeze all the benefit you can. It's important to remember that there are at least three main phases of any activity. There's a preparation phase, there's an event or activity phase when you actually do the activity. And then there's what we call the afterglow phase. And the idea of milking the activity is that you should take advantage of all of those phases uh, to engage as many people as you can, because the preparation phase itself is an opportunity for you to do interesting things with people. Along those lines, one of the principles that we extracted from Roger's work we called the one-for-all principle. And basically the idea, which is a little bit counterintuitive at first, is that you focus your activity on one particular individual, the specific needs or wants or desires or passions of one individual. But then in the process of doing an activity that caters to that specific need for that specific person, you figure out ways to expand it and include increasingly larger circles of participation so that you get the whole entire community involved. So this suggests two important activities during the preparation phase. One, you've got to be able to identify something about a target individual that you can latch into, some memory, something from their past, something that will ignite their passion and conceivably bring them out of whatever funk they might be in or if they're withdrawing to what we call jumpstart them and get them more engaged. So you have to find that hook for the activity. But then second, while you're doing that, you have to be thinking, how am I going to involve the larger community around this particular idea? For example, how might we engage friends and family to actually talk about these ideas and these passions uh, to help us find these things that might trigger the activity or help remember what did this person love 
and what did they really feel passionate about in the past. Roger calls this memory mining. You're, you're mining the past for hooks that you can use to bring people back into the present. When we're looking at the activity itself, one of the important principles that I love is we call adult play. And this is just the idea that you should have fun. Uh, don't be afraid to be silly. Make it all right for adults to play with each other and to learn through experience and experimentation. I think of art and sports as wonderful forms of adult play. They both have rules and regulations that give structure to the play and make it challenging, and yet at the same time, both provide ample room for improvisation, surprise, experimentation, adventure, mastery, and friendly competition. So those are all elements that it's great to work into your activity. Another principle we call making special. And this is just the idea that a good event or activity manages to make often mundane activities seem novel and special and awesome. So just building an activity around a daily routine like you're a meal and making something special out of it amplifies that daily activity um, and, and makes it special so that you're, you're finding the, the wonder and the joy that already exists and making it sparkle. Then there's the third phase of an activity, the afterglow phase. Don't let the end of the activity be the end of the activity. Keep the energy and positivity resonating for as long as you can. You want to keep the afterglow going both for the target participant, but also for the larger community as well. One of the ways to keep the afterglow going, of course, is to record the event and share it afterwards. Smartphones now have excellent cameras, even video recorders built into them, so it's easy to take photographs or create videos and then share them either on social media or with participants at a later time. This acts or serves as a kind of booster shot. Booster shots are specific support activities that are designed to sustain the energy and benefit of your primary activity. So once you've found a hot-button memory or a passion that energizes a person, find opportunities to, to push that button again at regular intervals. You can also take advantage of what we call the ripple effect. You can make the benefits of your activity ripple out to larger circles of people and extend beyond the time frame of the actual event. I mean, be sure that you create anticipation for the event through advanced promotion and that, that you take advantage of things like free media to get coverage in newspapers, radio, and television. Free publicity is great to both promote the event, but just as important to record it in the public record. Participants get a, a real kick out of reliving the event through newspaper clippings and recordings from radio shows or, or even television news coverage. It's also very important to have a regular meeting that people can go to. Regular weekly meetings, whether they're classes or discussion groups or social hours and so on, can provide a variety of benefits, including the opportunity to develop individual relationships, to forge a group identity, and to further 
personal development. Roger had his ongoing memorobics classes, and MindRamp works with groups to provide ongoing brain health classes that strengthen cognitive skills and also teach people how to care for their most valuable assets, their brains and their minds. One of the great things about a well-designed activity that focuses on one individual but then opens it up to the entire community is that it creates a common conversation. You provide your community and the larger social network with a common experience, a, a common conversation that focuses discussion and investigation. It gives people an excuse to gather and unify around a shared purpose. And having an ongoing class is a great way to center this and ground this. It's a place for people to come to share that common conversation. These and other ideas are discussed at greater length and in more detail in the guidebook. And then in the case studies, you get uh, Roger t talks about his activities and uh, then we reverse engineer them. So you can get a lot more of a feel for uh, how Roger went about designing these activities and how we extracted these principles from them.